It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching or listening. I uh, hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in the state of Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Two eight. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a decent slice of pizza and an authentic Italian meal. Salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app. That's right. Download our app today. Just go to our website, www.billycboxing.com, and uh, you'll see the uh, banner on the right-hand side. Uh, click it. Download it. Enjoy the show on your phone. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by you guessed it, my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. Get yourself a copy, literally, right now, while you're watching or listening to the show by going to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Find out uh, why I'm so adamant about educating everyone uh, on my man Tom Molino. And yes, it's a true story. If you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, uh, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Um, coming up a little bit later, uh, we got uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. I'm going to get his thoughts on uh, some of the fights uh, that have taken place over the last couple of weeks, including the Lomachenko fight. Uh, and, of course, the Mikey Garcia uh, big win over uh, Adrian Broner. Curious to get uh, uh, my man Larry's thoughts on that. We're also going to be doing our blast from the past. This week it features uh, former world champion and Boxing Hall of Famer Gene Fulmer and uh, my man Alex Papali will uh, stop by and uh, give us an update and tell us all about uh, Gene Fulmer a little bit later on the show. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, we've been having some issues uh, with the YouTube stream. Uh, so if you're watching or listening via YouTube and the show uh, is not uh, the full show or if it uh, gets cut off or something like that, don't forget you can always get the whole show uh, we are simulcasting the show on our Facebook Live. Uh, you go to the Bill Calagero Facebook page, and you can uh, check it out there. Uh, and always, 100%, the podcast is always up there, uh, so you can uh, download that. It is on iTunes, uh, but you can get the link uh, pretty quickly by visiting our website, uh, billycboxing.com, and it just says uh, uh, download or podcast, or you'll find it. It's up there along the top. Um, today, you know, yesterday we were talking about, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder. He's uh, calling out uh, Anthony Joshua. And I basically said yesterday, 
uh, adamantly that uh, uh, I feel that Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, forget all the belts, forget all the mandatories, uh, that they have to be, that fight has to be made right now. Um, you know, Deontay Wilder's going to start pounding his chest saying everybody's avoiding him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, today, I just want to reiterate, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And, it, you know, we got a bunch of emails that have been piling up. So if we don't get to it today, uh, we will definitely uh, get to them tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the main thing here is, you know, my thoughts with Anthony Joshua are simple. He's the best heavyweight in the world today. End of story. He's in the driver's seat. Every other heavyweight's got to come to him. So I don't want to hear any pounding on the chest and, and this and that. Now, I do have uh, an email that I want to read real quick, and it's more than just an email because Johnston not only is a, a regular uh, 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 contributor to our website uh, in terms of the uh, UK boxing scene, uh, but he's also in the chat room, and the chat room that we refer to is the one up on billyseatboxing.com. And uh, he gave us an update uh, on uh, this, actually this morning, on what's going on with Anthony Joshua. So I'm going to get that to you. But Foist, joining me right now uh, from beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia is my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. How you doing, Sal? I'm doing great today, Bill. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Not great, but good. Good. But uh, uh, hopefully we're going to get through a day without uh, uh, having some uh, issues with uh, with our uh, buddies uh, up at uh, YT, you know what I mean? Yes, YT, the YTCA. Yeah, yeah, that's them. They, they, that's that song, right? YT, yeah, 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 right. You give me the Slip Mahoney move. Yeah, Listen, absolutely. So, so, so here, I want to read this uh, email um, because it's more than just an email, and okay. um, it it kind of it kind of coincides with uh, my feelings today uh, and and a lot of the discussion that's been going on about a potential matchup between uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, as well as some of the mandatories that have been thrown in front of uh, uh, Anthony Joshua, which I believe, Sal, is going to result in uh, Deontay Wilder crying and, and uh, you know, claiming that every heavyweight's uh, avoiding him, which... You know, just just trust me. That's coming. It's coming. I you know? I, I could see you definitely being right on with that. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, yesterday the uh, WBA uh, reiterated that uh, uh, they're trying to uh, um, basically combine all their titles, which you know it's been taking them 150 years to do it. And one of the <laughs> uh, fights is Luis Ortiz um, is the mandatory for the WBA's version of the heavyweight title for Anthony Joshua. Uh, and um, apparently uh, they are uh, uh, discussing uh, some other issues with the IBF in order to, uh, to get this to happen. Uh, and as we know, the IBF, their uh, automatic uh, mandatory for Anthony Joshua is uh, Cuba Pulov. So it gets a little confusing. Um, and that when the guy that failed the drug test a couple of times? No, no, no. You're thinking of Povetkin, but um, but Anthony Deontay Wilder will like like I said, he's going to now claim that everybody's ducking him. And the truth that about about Anthony, I mean uh, Deontay Wilder, Sal, is I believe that his management team has really been the ones that let him down. I think by coddling him and you know basically whispering in his ear how great he is and hasn't believing how great, all of a sudden. 
the heavyweight division has kind of passed Deontay Wilder by. You know, he had the injury. He fought some less than stellar opponents. And now all of a sudden, people like us, uh, we can't wait to see um, Anthony Joshua fight. We'd love to see him fight Ortiz or even Pulov. And now it seems like the odd man out is Deontay Wilder. And I don't, I, I, it's not because anyone's afraid to fight him. I think it's his management. I think his management did him wrong. What's your thoughts on that real quick? You know, that is a good point. And you make good points. You got some credible, solid heavyweights in Pulov and Ortiz. And they do deserve to be up there and reckoned with on some level for either title elimination or to be facing the champion right as soon as possible. And, uh, you know, Deontay did have that hand injury. And he was out of boxing for a while. And he did come back. And, you know, so I, I think, as you just quoted, I think it was great. Yeah, boxing is passing him by on certain levels. And I think if his, if his management team and promoters really want to keep him in the mainstream, they got to really put all egos aside and start saying, hey, this is our guy. We're going to put up and everyone's going to shut up. That's well, what you do. I mean, I mean, listen, you know, forget about all these mandatories. The truth is, like we discussed in depth, in depth yesterday, is that forget the titles. All the boxing fans know that the top two heavyweights, really, in terms of drawing power and, and you know, recognition by, by the fans is Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. So, you know, forget it. The heavyweight division and all the sanctioning bodies need the best heavyweights. I mean, let's be real. No disrespect to Joseph Parker, but, you know, yeah. he's the least qualified world heavyweight champion who's a world heavyweight champion. I mean, I, and, I, and, and, I, and I honestly mean this I, I don't mean any disrespect to, to joseph parker i mean just look who yeah. he's fighting he's fighting huey fury you know huey fury was the number one ranked guy in the wbo i mean it, it, when you're a sanctioning body the, the the main thing is to try to convince the fans that you're the legit sanctioning body how can the wbo well, yeah. be saying that they're the legit wbo right. world champion is they're the best guy in the world when it's joseph parker fighting huey fury you know uh huey lewis in the news uh he, you know baby say, huey man, you know, you I, you know whatever right out of my mouth you know, but uh, but you know that that that's it's a shame you know i mean when push comes to shove right when push comes to shove absolutely and you know that's what's happening here and and you know the fans know the fights they want to see. And you know what? I think it's fair to say that the fans right now would love to see it's a put-up or shut-up kind of fight. It's Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. That's a great heavyweight matchup. And you know what? I think the fans should, should, should keep rumbling it and rambling about it. And let's see if these sanctioning bodies and the organizations listen. Because I'll tell you what, that's the big fight. That's the big fight that we want to see in the heavyweight division right now. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, so let me read uh, this email real quick. Uh, and it's from my man Johnston uh, before we get into some other stuff. He says, uh, last night, uh, which he sent me this this morning, and remember, there's a time difference, you know. He about says, hours, uh, right? last night, Eddie Hearn confirmed that he's lining uh, Joshua, Anthony Joshua, up to fight Cuba Pulov on or around October 28th at the Millennium, Millennium Stadium in uh, Wales, which is uh, being the most likely uh, venue. However, Vegas is still in discussion. He said, this is what Hearn said, and uh, we quote, yeah, we know that it's going to be Cuba Pulov. This is Eddie Hearn speaking. He says, uh, obviously, there was an order made some time ago by the IBF, which uh, we had to be part of and sign. 
If it wasn't Klitschko, then it was going to have to be Kubat Pulov, who's the number one challenger for the IBF. He's been AJ's mandatory for almost a year now, so he's due his shot. Probably at the end of next week, we'll make a decision. Probably right now, it looks like October 28th uh, at the Millennium Stadium is a front runner. But again, plenty to do uh, juggling around all the belts. He says uh, also that he mentioned that Ortiz would be next in line at the beginning of the year, and then Wilder uh, sometime over the summer. He says Luis Ortiz is the WBA uh, mandatory. He says we have to fight Luis Ortiz after Pulov, and then Deontay Wilder wants to fight us, so we're mapping things out nicely. In an ideal world right now, we're looking at Pulev, Ortiz, then Deontay Wilder next summer. Things are looking good. Although Klitschko's retirement was a little bit of disappointment for us, uh, we know that AJ has a long career ahead of him. Uh, we got to map it out effectively. He's just having a last little bit of time in the sun right now, and then uh, camps start next week. Yeah, I think he's with Amir Khan's wife, but that's that's besides the point. Uh, he what? says, <laughs> "Well, that's that's been the rumor." But anyway, uh, uh, Johnson says uh, he thinks that Eddie Hearn will need to negotiate a better undercard. Um, uh, for the Pulov fight because Pulov wasn't as popular as Klitschko, uh, so maybe adding a couple of Welsh stars will uh, fill the 74,000-seat arena. He says, I'd love to see Selby Frampton added, uh, but it's well documented that uh, Matchroom and Cyclone Promotions don't get along. He says, Nathan Cleverly would also be a big name uh, that would love to fight there. Maybe a domestic matchup between him and Frank uh, Bugani. Uh, he says, with all that being said, I want Joshua Wilder just like you do. Even if it means Joshua loses a title or even both, these sanctioning bodies are a joke. So it would be interesting to see what would happen if Hearn decided to go against the grain and kick the mandatory challenger to, to the curb to fight against Wilder. Would these governing bodies still have the bottle uh, to take their titles away for such a big heavyweight matchup? I don't think so. Do you? And I answer you, Johnston, no, I don't. And we were talking about that yesterday. I really appreciate that update because it's not out in any of the news here in the States yet. But, Sal, you know, uh, we, we, we have less than a minute. We'll come back and talk more about this. But the truth of the matter is, it, real quickly, I don't think that the sanctioning bodies, uh, well, I, let me put it a different way. I, I, I don't think it would make sense for them to uh, to say, hey, oh, well, that's it. We're stripping Anthony Joshua if he decides to fight Deontay Wilder right now. What's your thoughts? My thoughts, I'm still thinking about maybe we should have a, a, a fight matchup between Amir Khan and Anthony Joshua. That'd be a hell of a fight. Anyway, um, no, seriously, you hit it on the head. I don't know if the sanctioning bodies would uh, actually do that, but uh, I could see them doing that, just standing on their principle and flexing their muscle. And... Uh, but I know the fans would love to see the Deontay Wilder and the Joshua fight happen before the end of this year. Yeah. And if it's going to happen, it, it will happen. Well, hold but, that uh, thought. I, We're going to take a short little break. And uh, when we come back, we'll finish uh, up on that. I got some other stuff to talk about. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
and you know we're back you're listening and watching uh the billy c show glad you could be with us and uh once again we're having uh some issues with the youtube feed so uh if anybody can uh hear us uh out there that's not watching uh the youtube feed you might as well gone over to facebook because uh that's where you can watch the show uh the facebook uh live screen uh so uh that's that, uh, but uh, I'm still here with uh, Sal Rocky Senecola, and uh, Sal, before we went to break, uh, we were talking about uh, the potential matchup and what the ramifications would be uh, for um, uh, for uh, uh, Anthony Joshua just to walk away from the sanctioning body orders of fighting a guy like Kubat Pulov and or Luis Ortiz and go directly to Deontay Wilder, and personally... Uh, you know, I think he's in the driver's seat. Maybe that's the route he should take. What do you think? You know, it's funny because I'm playing it out in my head. And I, I could actually see the sanctioning bodies flexing their muscles and stripping and, and taking away from Deontay Wilder. But then doing a roundabout and saying, well, there was a clause or we saw this or we we're validating this. So we'll we'll uh, do that because they're going to get a they're going to get a feedback uproar as far as uh, that's concerned. So, yeah, and they could finagle. They could do this. They're the world sanctioning bodies. So the playing field's never level and they could uh, find a rule that they wrote 100 years ago that was never uh, uh, on top. That'll do it. But I think they'll flex their muscle. I think they'll try and do it. Well, I hope you're right, you know, because. Uh uh, it, uh, it, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It, uh, it certainly makes sense, uh, for, uh, for them. But, uh, anyway, some other stuff real quickly. Um, we will, uh, we will, like I said, we're having some issues with, uh, <laughs> the YouTube stream again, uh, which is uh, pretty, uh, nerve wracking for me. Uh, but, uh, uh, some, some discussion about the, uh, Mayweather, uh, McGregor fight real quick, uh, Bob Arum, uh, had was very vocal yesterday when he said that uh, it's not a fight for Christ's sake. He says uh, uh, <laughs> there's not even a chance McGregor wins. He uh, also uh, made a point that uh, uh, based on the ticket sales, uh, he says uh, uh, why the reason he says why they're not sold out. He says there's only a limited number of suckers out there. Um, so <laughs> hey, I mean, it is, Bob. it is. I like Uncle you know, Bob yeah, there. That's some yeah, good good yeah. points. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya said the same thing, you know, because a lot of people are uh, uh, keep bugging him about the fact that, uh, you know, people are talking about McGregor uh, Mayweather, and and you know, a couple of weeks later, uh, you have the uh, you have the big fight between uh, Canelo and uh, uh, Triple G, and Oscar says uh, everyone knows. Uh, well, he he said this, and I quote: He says uh, we're concentrating on our fight, we're concentrating on our event only. Uh, he says, obviously, we have the real fight here. We have a serious fight. This is a serious fight, a serious event. Two of the best fighters fighting each other, and I think that the fans have recognized that, and uh, they've recognized it. So uh, have the sponsors and a lot of other media people. They recognize that this is the real fight. This is the fight that they want to be at. This is the fight that they want to see and pay for. A clear indication is we sold out in 10 uh, days, and I feel like, uh, the fans are recognizing that this is the fight, it's the real fight, and that's what they want. I think what Oscar's trying to say is that the Triple G and Canelo fight is the real fight. What do you think? <laughs> I think he wants to, you know, try to emphasize that that might be the real fight considered here. Yeah, well done, Oscar. Um, <laughs> that's what I got from that. 
Uh, but I'll tell you what, we've all been saying it. This is nothing more than a farce. You know, I'm, I'm asked every day, at least 10 times, and it's like push the button, and I'll let you know. It's a farce, unless Conor McGregor, he does have a puncher's chance, unless he gets lucky in the first or second round by waiting in there and just, just manhandling and throwing him into the corner and just hitting him with a lucky shot. It's going to be all Floyd. And Floyd's going to be lucky if he just wants to carry him till the sixth round or maybe maybe eighth and because uh, he's going to pick him apart. This guy's not a boxer. On another note, Bill, you know what I saw on ESPN? All about – oh, it's all it's all about the McGregor-Connor fight. That's all that they, they, they were going up there. But I saw something in the news also about bare-knuckle boxing uh, might be uh, coming up uh, to be looking at. What's your thoughts on that? Well – you have to read more than just the headline, Sal. Uh, they've been, That's they, all I got they, a chance they, to. They, they've, been discussing, <laughs> they've been discussing uh, bare-knuckle boxing. There's actually a league. Um, uh, DirecTV Sports has had it. Um, but the, the most recent one you, you're probably referring to, actually I got a, a, a – somebody forwarded me the article. Uh, they're, they're always helping me, my, my, my listeners, which I love. Uh, they are experimenting <laughs> over in uh, England, uh, or I should say the U.K., with uh, some organized uh, bare knuckle uh, fights that are all sanctioned and stuff, and uh, it's looking good. They're doing well, um, you know. Uh, uh, it's looking well. They're doing well with uh, fan interest and stuff. So keep your fingers crossed. I, I like it. I like the uh, bare knuckle. Uh, boxing I like it approach. too, Bill. I, you know, it reminds me. of remember the old movie with Charles Bronson, uh, Hard Times. Yeah, no, I know, I know, but but the the BKB which they had over at uh, Directv's uh, sports, uh, uh, their own channel or whatever they have there, uh, was good. I, I watched a couple of it, um, so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, we, uh, well, I guess some of it, I, I I guess some of the YouTube is is working. I I, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, uh, it's uh, I'm getting uh, I'm getting crazy stuff on my screen, but uh, anyway, um, David Price, he's a heavyweight. Uh, there was so much talk about David Price um, being a, a legitimate heavyweight, and anytime he ever fought anybody, he's lost. Well, he's making another comeback. He's uh, going to be returning to the ring in September uh, on September 16th. Don't know who he's going to be. Uh, fighting yet, but uh, I mean, how many beatings does this guy have to take? I mean, uh, it's clearly uh, this guy's days have come and gone, but uh, something that we both like, the World uh, Boxing Super Series, they announced that the uh, fight between Chris Eubank Jr. and Anvila Yildrum uh, will be taking place October 7th uh, in uh, in Germany, and I like this fight. What do you What do you think? I think that's a good fight, and uh, we're gonna, that, that's going to be a great uh, preview of that Super Series, and uh, I'll tell you what, I, that is a very good fight. I like to see that one. You know, uh, we so, will. so far, as far as I know, um, in the uh, World Boxing Super Series, we got Barrios Breedis against Mike Perez September 30th. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. That's a good fight. Division. Um, George Groves against Jamie Cox October 14th. Eubank and uh, uh, Yildrum October 7th. And I, 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 you know, I'm pretty sure they had announced the Gazioff Lazarek fight too. So uh, if anybody's got those dates, drop me an email because it it flew under my radar and I and I and I missed it, you know. So uh, anyway, um, by the way, Eubank Jr. is uh, 
working uh, with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Um, in his <laughs> camp, helping Junior. Junior's helping Junior prepare for his next <laughs> fight. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was funny to hear what uh, Yildrim said. He says, what's Chris going to learn to do in a Mayweather camp? Hide and seek? <laughs> Is he going <laughs> to learn to run away? Is he going to learn to run away from me for 12 rounds? The fans want to fight. I want to fight. Please, if he's a man, uh, he's going to have to come in and fight. So, you know what I really like about that is I like the fact that uh, other fighters recognize that Floyd uh, likes to, to run and hide, you know, hide and seek. I like that. I like that. What do you think? I, I just, hide and seek. But you know what? I, I can understand. And you follow what I'm going to say. I think a lot of fighters, but definitely Floyd Mayweather played a lot of tag when he was a kid that's just how he got those moves to avoid those little touches you know i agree i think that uh he definitely <laughs> uh, played a little played tag, tag. you know and uh you know i think i think that's girls cool. must have beat him up when he was a kid because that's why he and, smacks and, them around uh, now you know wow but uh, wow. <laughs> i don't know i don't know hey i mean yesterday i was talking about some other uh fights that are going to be taking place some good fights some heavyweight fights uh on september 15th uh in uh, at foxwoods uh, two heavyweights are going to be uh, going at it. Two undefeated or once beaten Alex Santos, 18-1, and one, going up against Niall Kennedy. Uh, I, I like it, man. I like seeing uh, heavyweights uh, early in their careers fighting real fights. What, what do you think? Is the trend changing or what? I Like I said, Bill, we, we were crying and moaning about you know the fight game the last couple of years, and I, I, told, I told you, I think that really boxing was in a – hibernative state where it was going to reboot itself and and we're going to see the evolution of of boxing taking its 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 great case uh to be back on top and uh i see definitely some of those points and those signs wanting to recapture the fan base and wanting to move ahead and and be back as far as uh you know being in the living rooms and being talked about and having the water cooler discussions so boxing is making a big effort right now and I think it's a great thing to embrace and to help promote and to help create and stimulate. So I, I welcome those things. Um, one last thing, and then, Sal, uh, you're going to be taking a break here for a while. But uh, uh, one last thing. The, the WBC, we, we touched on this earlier in the week, but the WBC was uh, notified by Team Anthony Durrell that he suffered a regrettable injury. Now, I don't, every injury is regrettable. We're just not sure what type of injury he suffered. Right. But he suffered an injury, and um, he was supposed to be fighting for the vacant uh, WBC uh, super middleweight title uh, against, uh, uh, against Greville. I, I'm sorry, against uh, David Benavidez. And uh, now, uh, based on the next highest-ranked opponent that's available that's how they do it now uh ronald graville uh is the guy that's going to be uh fighting him he's currently the nabf champion and uh is according to the wbc the highest uh, available contender um all the other top fighters in this division are in the world boxing super series so i think it gives you a, a pretty good taste of what we should expect from the wbss but i think more than that sal it gives us a pretty good indication about this whole Darrell brother thing. I, these guys don't seem too good for boxing. What's your thoughts? No, well, I wasn't going to go there, but you just mapped it out, and and you're right. I uh, 
I feel, you know what, when you have too much drama and you're looking for this and that and everything else, I mean, the rhetoric compounds itself. And, you know, it's like, again, I use that term. It's it's all the fluff without the stuff. Just do what you're going to do. And it's too much confusion and rhetoric and and compounding issues upon issues. It's the drama crap that we don't need. Exactly. No, I I hear you. Uh, Also, real quick, um, we had uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, according to Bob Arum, and multiple sources, multiple other sources that might be more reliable than him, uh, does want to exercise his rematch clause and fight Jeff Horn. Uh, It does look like this fight will be taking place. Um, It is uh, uh, pretty good that uh, I would think that uh, uh, we are going to have it. Uh, looking like it's going to be at the end of this year. Um, You know, what do you think about, I mean, we we don't have much time here, Sal, but what do you think? Is Manny Pacquiao doing the right thing to to exercise the rematch, or should he have taken ripped a page out of Vladimir Klitschko's book and just called it a career? Well, you know what? I think Manny's got to do this to to prove himself, and maybe maybe some of those rumors were correct. He wasn't 100% that night. He didn't train as much. I don't know. Manny's got to look in the mirror. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a prediction right off the bat. I think uh, Jeff Horn will beat him more convincingly this time, and Manny will be going away in the sunset. That's I, my prediction right here off the cuff. Yeah, well, I, I disagree. I, I, I don't I think – I don't. there's no way Jeff Horn – well, you know what? I've said that before. I, I just well, think – You be both, though. I, I just think that Manny Pacquiao was uh, – I, I just think Manny Pacquiao took this guy uh, lightly just like uh, the rest of us. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break, Sal. And uh, when we come back, we're not going to have you on. Uh, we will uh, <laughs> We will have uh, my man Larry Hazard joining us, and uh, we'll get back to you in a little bit. Well, I always enjoy the other segments, and I'll be listening. So you guys take care, and I'll talk to you a little later, Bill. Sounds good, man. That's uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And like I said, uh, we will uh, be getting him back uh, here in a few minutes. But uh, uh, in the meantime, I'm going to take a short break. And uh, again, we want to apologize for all the YouTubers out there. We are experiencing some uh, difficulty uh, with uh, that version of the show. Uh, apparently, uh, according to my uh, uh, main people in the chat room, they're telling me that uh, the YouTube uh, video is working. We're just not getting the multiple camera feeds. Uh, so uh, we apologize for that. I think uh, I've been blaming YouTube, but I-, I think I'm leaning towards Microsoft at this point. So uh, it's everybody's fault. I don't want to make excuses, uh, but uh... Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans! Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out: www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. Broadcasting in all corners of the globe on the web and radio. He would scoff at a stretch of that man, I would think. Ah! 
You're listening to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. From upstate New York in the good old U.S. of A. Boxing is here to stay because we are here to stay. The best two hours of boxing talk on the airwaves. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. So we want you to be there with Billy and me. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening. And watch the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And um, I, uh, I'm having all kinds of trouble today, man. Nothing seems to be uh, going the way uh, I had uh, planned uh, because I had planned uh, to have my man uh, uh, Larry Hazard join us. And uh, I think uh, I may have Larry on the line right now. Larry, are you there? No, I'm not. He's not, he says. Uh, but I will try uh, one last uh uh, shot at my man uh, Larry, and uh, then if not, we're going to move forward. You know, we have uh, some issues going on. Uh, there was uh, a fight that was uh, announced, and uh, I got my man Larry on right now. Right, Larry, is that you? That's right, Billy. What's going on, buddy? Oh man, I called the other line, and uh, I was like, oh, maybe I maybe I made a mistake. But uh, what's happening, brother? Hey, everything's cool. Everything's cool. Good to be back. Yeah, well, we've been ha- we've been having all kinds yeah. of tech we've been having all kinds of technical issues here uh, the last couple of days. So I don't know, maybe you know, I was off for a little bit. Maybe maybe it's me. But uh, in any event, I I, I got to get your thoughts on some stuff that has already taken place uh, and some potential stuff that will take place. First and foremost, I want to get your thoughts on the fight that took place a couple weeks ago. A fight that I absolutely loved uh, between Mikey Garcia and Adrian Broner. I mean, you know, I know you weren't that high on Broner ever, and I know I was, but at this point, everything Mikey Garcia did, I, I mean, if you if you look at Mikey Garcia and the performance that he had and his approach to round by round, I, I can't find one thing that was bad. What's your thoughts on that fight? Well, let me start out by saying, and I had a very photogenic eye when it came to Broner. As you can recall, I was never, in my opinion, Broner, whoever his management uh, is, I don't know whether it's, it's Al, you know, Al Heyman or uh, Mayweather or whom, but they should be given the Nobel Prize for management or whatever you want to call it. They should be in the international Boxing Hall of Fame for management. This guy, are you telling me, I can't even, he's a four-division champion? Really? I can't even, I can't even think of a memorable fight that Broner had, except when Paulie Malignaggi got robbed over in Brooklyn. I was there at the Barclays Center. I said, this guy, 
I said, he's doing all of this talking. You know, I said, he's nothing. I've seen good amateurs with more basic skills than Broner. And so you know that I've been saying from the beginning that Broner is nothing but an amateur, a good amateur. And Mikey Garcia proved it. I mean, he put on an absolute clinic against Broner. And so, like I'm saying, it ain't about billions, baby. It's only about hundreds, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Broner. Because if there's ever been a fighter that talked a good game, certainly he did. Now, I give him, you know, all the credit in the world. He had a good role, a good role model. He tried to be the second coming of, uh, of Floyd Mayweather. But the one thing that he forgot, he forgot that Floyd Mayweather has a masterful gift and a masterful um, mastery of basic boxing skills, defense. Might be boring to some, but there's no question about Mayweather's skills. So Broner should have, um, you know, went ahead and tried to master the skills like Broner or like Mayweather instead of just, you know, talking about it's all about billions, baby, you know, and all of that rhetoric. And the other thing, the other thing about Floyd Mayweather, if Broner wanted to use him as his prototype, is that Floyd Mayweather probably is never within, outside of seven to eight pounds of his fighting weight at all times. He trains religiously. He's always in shape, Okay. So when they announce a fight for him, he doesn't have to go and start dehydrating and rehydrating and doing all going to the mountains and all of this other crap that you see some of these fighters try to um, promulgate out there that in order to make you think that all of a sudden they're going to be world beaters. So all Broner did was make me a prophet, and I'm sure that he made a lot of other people who really know the sport of boxing, who are boxing purists, okay, he, he only made us profit. He made profits out of us. And Mikey Garcia, you understand, really demonstrated just how much um, Broner needs to learn about the sport of boxing. He took him to school. I didn't give Broner, I maybe gave him one or two rounds, and that was it. So I think that's the last we're going to hear uh, with all of this braggadocious, um, you know, uh, program that he has about how great he is. I think that's the last we're going to hear about that. I don't know about that. He said right after the fight that he packed the place and that he'll fight anybody. And, you know, he's still uh, oh, on please. his on. Please. I know. I know. But Mikey Garcia, what impressed me about him is that he displayed what I like to see in a fighter. Number one. His ring generalship was was on display, Larry. He was cutting the ring off. He controlled where Adrian Broner was going. He had Adrian Broner on his back foot and not being able to do anything that he wanted to do, thus exposing his corner for not making the right adjustments or Adrian Broner just not knowing and not listening to anyone else. That's number one. Well, number, number well two. I think that's what it was. Uh, I think that his corner, I think his corner got frustrated with him, okay? Because I was listening to the guys in the corner trying to get him to get going. But I think that his corner got frustrated. 
And I know, you know, even, uh, you know, when he was being interviewed at the end of the fight, you know, he's standing there alone by himself. Normally there's a corner man there, you know, and it, it you know, uh, you know, just to be, give him a little more confidence to let him know, well, you know, we're behind you. He was by himself. Okay. I think that his corner got disgusted. Okay. And just reached the point where he's saying, man, look, you're not fighting. Okay. This guy is taking you to school. You're embarrassing yourself. And so, you know, let's get going. And he never could get going. Yeah, but my, right? my but my point, Larry, is that kind of that kind of dialogue is rah rah stuff. They weren't giving him any any uh, you know constructive criticism. They weren't giving him any you know uh, hey you got to start doing this or that. You know it was all hey you go beat this mf'er and you know all of this stuff. That's all he you heard from him uh, from his corner. And meanwhile, Garcia, when when what I loved. What Mikey Garcia did, and I love with fighters, they take it out of the judge's hands to make, uh, if, if, if you know, we don't want to say that judges, uh, you know, are swayed one way or another, but, uh, you know, I, I believe a lot of them are. And what has taken, pl in, in a fight like this, Garcia takes that out of the mix. You know, there's two things you can do. You can either knock your opponent out and just end the story right there, or... You could do what Mikey Garcia did. Adrian Broner lands two punches or throws two punches. Garcia throws back six. You know, Broner throws four. Garcia throws back eight. You know, and that's how a judge can't possibly steal a fight from a fighter. And that's where I give uh, Mikey Garcia a lot of credit. He also uh, was breaking down his opponent, going to the body, then to the head. He, was, he never stopped. And uh, thus uh, keeping Broner... Uh, moving backwards, moving, didn't you? Broner kept looking for a place to hide. I, I don't know. Mikey Garcia's stock, in my eyes, went way up, uh, Larry. And not only that, he says, well, I, I'm staying as my champion in my weight class. I'll move up to any weight to fight the right fight. So I, I, I just, I can't say enough about the kid. I, I would like to see him be a little more emotional, but uh, hey, I love the performance. Well, I, 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 can't, I, can't argue, I can't argue with that. But going back to uh, Roman's corner once again, isn't that isn't that what we've pretty much been reduced to from most of these corners anyway? You know, in terms of instructions. So I didn't see anything new there. Most of these corners don't give real instructions anyway. That's why it's so easy for us to uh, pick out the few real trainers that are really giving instructions out there and. Mikey Garcia, uh, Garcia's corner happened to be one who was giving him instructions, strategies, minor adjustments here and there, and like you say, he took it out of the hands of the judges, gladly, okay? But, you know, I still sit on the end of my seat, on the end of my seat, even in fights like that, where a fighter clearly has won, but you never know where these judges are going to go. But they got it right this time. But like you said, like you said, and his corner was emphasizing, Mikey's corner was emphasizing to him, keep the pressure on. You know, he's going to try to steal a, a round away from me. You know, you listen to him. You know, to keep it coming in behind that jab, keep the combination, give him the angles. You heard all of this. Yep. These, are, these are the types of instructions that I like to hear. So, you know, I mean, that, that corner 
that fighter, they were all 100% in that fight. And that's what was needed. And, of course, Mikey, Mikey Garcia is the type of fighter that Adrian Brona has always had trouble with anyway. You know, as I had said prior to the fight, I said, you know, Mikey Garcia brings to this fight all of the elements that Brona always has trouble with. And, you know, the thing that has always uh, bothered me about Brona is that I never saw any improvement in Brona. When I saw him, I go back to the Malinaji fight once again, because that was highway robbery, in my opinion, the way that he stole it. And I said, you know, ever since that fight, I have not seen any improvement in Brona's skills and his mastery of the, of the ring geography. You know, he was the same old Brona. You know, you get a little flurry at the end of every round to try to steal it, a lot of rhetoric, a lot of talk about how great he was, you know, and all of that. So, you know, Mikey put all that to rest for me. But I give credit to, to his corner. I give credit to the way that Mikey took, took the fight out of the hands of the judges. And like you said, every time Brona threw a little combination or whatever, Mikey came back with five or six punches, you know, to top that. So uh, uh, I think that that was a great lesson for a lot of the young fighters out there who saw the fight. You know, take that lesson there to the gym with you and remember that in, the, in, in their upcoming fights. Because it was a total clinic as far as I'm concerned. I agree. And the bottom line is Mikey Garcia, he did something that fighters don't do anymore. He fought. He fought. <laughs> you know? I mean, he threw yes. punches. Yes. You know, it, it, you know, he actually knew that he had a fight in there, you know, to win the fight. And uh, it was impressive. Uh, one thing I want to mention real quick before I move to the next fight is, well, this is actually a fight, but Charlo Brothers, right? And, and in this case, Jamal. Uh, oh, they, yes. These guys come in, they're, they're, they're in shape, and, and they look good. But here's my hang-up, Larry. You know, they've never, I, I've yet to see a Charlo brother in the ring with a guy the same size as them. I don't know how they do it weight-wise, but, I, you know, it's very disheartening. You know, when you see, uh, to me, I don't, I'm not interested in watching a high school kid beating up a kindergartner you know I, I mean it just it doesn't prove yeah. anything you know and that's what I see with these Charlo brothers and you know we saw it when Jermel uh, I'm sorry Jamal Charlo fought uh, Sebastian uh, Jorge Sebastian Highland uh, on that same card it was like sad to see there's no reason for Charlo to pound his chest saying how great he is and he gets the, the his reward of his management constantly putting him in with less than stellar opposition, opposition that has no chance against him, his reward is he gets the winner of Triple G Canelo, which is going to really be the first real fight the guy's in. You know, how do you go from being, you know, two or three weight classes bigger than all your other opponents into facing a guy like uh, uh, Triple G or Canelo? What's your thoughts on on the uh, progress of, of uh, Jamal Charlo? Well, I think that he does possess, I think both of those brothers do possess some good basic skills. Uh, Ronnie Shields, I think, has done a good job uh, with, with both, with, with Jamal and his brother. Um, 
Ronnie, of course, in my opinion, is one of the top trainers around. Um, as far as the opponents are concerned, uh, I think you I think you're hitting on a good point there, Billy. You know because you know I I do believe that you can do a fighter a great disservice when you always give him uh, you're putting him in with guys in which he has a great physical advantage as well as skill wise uh, because he doesn't he doesn't really uh, learn how to make adjustments under fire you know we really don't get into a real battle where we got to see how our relationship corner man and uh, fighter uh, mesh so uh, that could be a serious drawback for him when he steps up you know to the Tripgees and some of the other guys that he's uh, looking to fight um, I, I happen to like those Charlo especially uh, Jamal I like him you know but I agree with you I would like to see, you know, them equalize this thing a little bit more physically because they've been, they have been given a, a, lot, a lot of gifts along the way. Yeah, so, it's like, it's like know, what we've said I, in I the past. It it, it's like what we've said in the past, Larry. It, it's like we said in the past, you know, everybody looks good when they're working out on a heavy bag. You know, and, yes. I, and, and, and I agree with you. Both the Charlo brothers, they're in shape. They're good-looking guys, you know. They, they. I, I want them to do well, but I also want to see them against a guy at least their own size. You know, what I mean, because you could say yes. Jorge uh, Sebastian Highland it was a quality fighter, and he was, but not at that size, you know. And and I, it just, it's, it's nerve-wracking. And then it brings me to this next fight because it was similar. So just as I'm calling out uh, the Charlo brothers for being uh, put in with with smaller guys. And and this is a guy that I think you could make a, a really good argument about being a pound for pound top guy. I mean, you got Chocolito, uh, you got Garcia, you got Andre Ward, and you got Lomachenko. And Lomachenko is just such a talented guy. But his fight this past weekend against uh, uh, Miguel Mariaga, I think his stock went down. And the reason why I think it went down, Larry, is because you know he was trying. He was clearly eons uh, above this guy in talent okay but again i noticed that he was the bigger fighter by a lot he looked like two different weight classes and then when he was trying to showboat a little he got caught yeah you know so so it's like yeah. there's one thing to showboat i mean when sugar ray leonard and and i know you and i always end up bringing up sugar ray leonard but when sugar ray leonard used to showboat he showboated and and the showboat that he did made the opponents look bad but they certainly didn't catch him you know, yes, Lomachenko was showboating against Mariaga, but several times while he was doing it, like when he was waving him in to fight him uh, against the ropes in the corner, yeah, yeah, Mariaga yeah. connected three times with him. He, he had he had one good shot overhand and two body shots. One was a little low, but you get hit with a shot like that. Next thing you know, you're showboating and you're saying, what happened? You know, so what was your thoughts on his performance? Well, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, you know. Uh, I listened to this Kellerman guy on HBO. He's already made L uh, Lomachenko the greatest thing since sliced bread. Makes me wonder uh, how much of a percentage he's got in his management. But uh, I'm not that hot on Lomachenko. Let's see what he can do with a guy like Rigondeaux or one of those guys. Okay? That's I am fun. not that hot on Lomachenko. Okay? And now they got him pound for pound. 
uh, the greatest and all of this other nonsense. Come on. He hasn't, in my opinion, really earned anything yet in the in boxing. Now, his fight that he had with Mariaga, okay? And I agree with you 100%. He's trying to showboat and all that. His stock went down because all that showed me was just how much, um, how much lacking the fighter. This was nothing but a gift. This was nothing but a gift. Why didn't he knock him out, you know, early? He should have went out in one round. Should have been over, okay? If his skills are so much greater that he could show both. Now, Sugar Ray Leonard, since we mentioned my favorite, when Sugar Ray Leonard, he showboated with everybody. You know, he, he not not with a gift. He was showboating against Hagler. He showed, but that was a for Sugar Ray. It was more of a strategy and a psychological ploy. A lot of these guys are showboating, or just to showboat, only because they're just that much better than their opponent. So I don't appreciate that type of showboating, especially when you're in against nobody. Okay, when you're in against nobody. You should just go in in one round, two rounds, and knock him out right there. But he's getting caught, showboating. He's just, so is that really showboating? You know, he really doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> so, you know, as far as Lomachenko is concerned, I'm not really that high on him yet. Let him fight Regan down. Let's see what happens. You're right, I, and that's the fight that they should make. But uh, And finally, uh, the last thing I wanted to, to talk to you about really – is all that's on my mind. Aside from looking forward to, uh, you know, Triple G uh, against Canelo uh, coming up in a few weeks, all that's on my mind right now, and I, and, and no, it's not McGregor Mayweather. What, what's on my mind is is Anthony Joshua and who he fights next. And, and you know, because of these damn sanctioning bodies, you know, oh, he's got to fight Pulev. Oh, he's got he's to fight Ortiz and this and that. Well, Lo and behold, out comes Deontay Wilder. And you know, I've been critical of Deontay. And it's not really Deontay. It's his team, you know, holding him back. He hasn't fought anybody. And, you know, a couple weeks back, they're saying, oh, he's going to fight Ortiz. And, you know, I was getting emails from people saying, oh, no, it's not going to happen. It's just a ploy. And next thing you know, he's, he's calling out Anthony Joshua, right? So this morning, I got uh, some correspondence from one of our uh, UK uh, reporters and, uh, he was telling me some recent stuff that Eddie Hearn said last night in the UK about Anthony Joshua. And one of the things was that, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, fulfill his obligation to the IBF, which is Kubat Pulov. That's next. Uh, that'll be uh, sometime in the fall. Uh, then Luis Ortiz, which is his obligation for the WBA. And then uh, sometime in the summer of next year, of 2018, he'll face Deontay Wilder. Now, my thoughts are this. Number one. I truly believe that Anthony Joshua is in the driver's seat, Larry. He's the best heavyweight in the world. All the heavyweights got to go to him. That's number one. Number two, I think that Anthony Joshua has found himself above the sanctioning bodies, which means they need him more than he needs them. And if I were Anthony Joshua and, and his team, and if I were Deontay Wilder and his team, I would make this fight now, Larry, because... They don't need the belts. Everybody knows that the, the regarded two top heavyweights in the in the world today, because of the retirement of Klitschko, has to be Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Why not make this fight now? Let's make this fight in the fall, close out a great year of boxing in 2017. I think that this fight should be made now. It does not need marination. It doesn't need 
uh, Deontay Wilder to pound his chest and say everybody's ducking him because that's the next thing that's going to say. Uh, I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, I agree with you, Joe. I agree with that. You know, make the best fights now. You know, all of this sanctioning. Look, I work for a sanctioning organization, okay? So uh, you've heard me say it over and over. That's a business, all right? That is a business. They suck it for as much as they could get, and then you get the big prize, okay? So until these fighters and these management and these promoters, until they disrupt, this whole system of who becomes the champion, who gets ranked, etc., it's going to go on. These fighters are mesmerized with these belts. Why do you think the WBC, these guys, come out with all these belts? Silver belt, golden, diamond belt, and all of this other, you know, all of this other crap that goes on, you know. But I agree. Make the fight now. All of the best, all good fights, all of the best fights, Well, we just seem to have lost uh, uh, Larry, so we're going to get him right back on. Uh, we got uh, we're going to his his segment's just about over, but you can't we can't leave the show without. Did we get we, cut off. Yeah, you got all of a sudden. I lost your. Uh, now you sound so great. Uh, you you were sounding distant in in uh, for the whole call, and now we're just getting ready to 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 wrap it up. But finish your thought. We we got cut off uh, just as you were saying okay. that you got to make the right fights at the right time. Yeah, I I I agree with you that the best fights should be made right now, okay, when they're hot. Let's see Joshua and Wilder right now. Then all those other guys could still, those, those fights could still take place because win or lose, if it's a good fight, okay, it's not the end of a career for either one of them. But these are the two best heavyweights out there, and so let's make the fight now. I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fight that I I think needs to be uh, made and and you know because in all honesty, Larry, Deontay Wilder, if he loses, I mean, we you know we we both know how it works. It's about the money. So you know yeah. when you look at risk versus reward, blah blah blah. It makes no sense for Deontay Wilder to risk a fight against a quality heavyweight like Luis Ortiz because I, I personally don't think he could beat him. Um, so, but but he could make a big payday fighting Anthony Joshua right now. And even if he loses, all those other opponents are still there for him. Right. You know, right. and and that's and, what I'm and and not only that, but that's a way to get back into the mix by beating those guys. Yes. And say, okay, I've learned, I'm better, you know, I want a rematch. Whatever the case is, they could actually make more money, you know. But I think the yes. greed factor with these guys and the fact that the new blueprint is to coddle your way to a championship and then take the least, uh, you know, amount of risk fight, the least quality opponent, it, it's just, it, it's not working for these guys. They become exposed. And right now, with the way the, the fight game is changing, you know, since Floyd is retired, we have seen, specifically this year, we have seen some really good matchups with the guys that we want to see fighting each other. I just think that this is a continuation, and we all know, we all agree that the best heavyweight fight that we've seen in I can't remember how long was Joshua against Klitschko. Nothing better to follow that than Joshua against Wilder. Hey, hey, 
that hey, you preaching to the choir, Billy. Like I said, the least guy does not always translate into the most money. Okay, this is about getting that money, man. Like the sanctioning bodies, they're after the money. So the fighters, you should go after the money too. Forget about the belts. Go for the money. Joshua Wilder, okay, is the best fight. Win or lose, all of those other guys are still there. Okay? They're still there. So you got that pot of money that's going to be shared around with all of those top guys. It doesn't matter who's got the belt. You're still going to get a shot at the belt. You're going to get another shot at the guy if you lose to him. And if you lose to him, you'll get a shot at the next best guy. You got that whole pool. What do you think? Look, you had Leonard, Hearns, um, uh, Duran, okay, Hagler. You had those guys all sharing a pot of money and around and around Robin for how many years? Come on, man. You know, at, li listen, and the funny thing was those guys were making good money back then, and uh, it was justifiable because they had the, the, the fans behind them and everything else. And and you're right. You know, I, listen, the sanctioning bodies, it would not make financial sense for the IBF or the WBA to say, really, Deontay Wilder, you're going to fight Deontay Wilder, then we're stripping you. Well, then who's going to be the champion? What are you going to do? You're going to yeah, find some other slug, and I, like I was saying earlier, no disrespect to, to Joseph Parker, but he's the other champ. I mean, how can you put Joseph Parker in the same breath of Anthony Joshua or even Deontay Wilder, for that matter? You know, so... You can't, um, you, can't. you know, so so these sanctioning bodies, what they're better off saying, hey, we'll sanction it too, so they get a piece of the pie. Otherwise, they're cutting their 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 nose off to spite the face, and uh, that's the end of that, you know. But uh, anyway, well, I, I agree, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get this sorted out, and uh, we'll have uh, something something some more good stuff to talk about. But uh, Larry, I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I look forward to next week, my man. Okay, baby. I'll talk to you then, Billy. All right, Larry. Have a great one. Okay. That's uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard uh, joining us and uh, giving us his thoughts uh, on uh, a bunch of stuff, uh, specifically uh, feeling, uh, you know, similarly to the way I feel. Similarly. Lily, uh, similarly. Yeah, similarly. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Blast from the Past is due up. Alex Papali in about two. Billy C. will be right back. Hey, fight fans, check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters, track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And tell them Billy C. sent ya. Broadcasting in all corners of the globe. On the web and radio. He would scoff at a stretch of that man, I would think. You're listening to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. From upstate New York in the good old U.S. of A. Boxing is here to stay because we are here to stay. The best two hours of boxing talk on the airwaves. 
the one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. So we want you to be there with Billy and me. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And that's my cue. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, once again, I apologize for some of our uh, camera feed errors that are going on right now. We've got to thank uh, the powers that be for that. Uh, mainly, I won't mention any names, but uh, Microsoft and YouTube. But uh, besides that, hey, it's time for uh, our favorite segment. The Blast from the Past, which is being sponsored by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Uh, download yourself a copy right now. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Title Bout Championship Computer Game banner. And uh, this week's Blast from the Past features uh, a, a guy that, I, you know, I, I recently, I was so glad to see this as one of our requests because this was a guy that I've recently rediscovered. And um, Sal and I uh, are doing a new show. It's called uh, Billy C's Boxing Revisited. And uh, we are going to uh, unveil uh, a uh, episode of that at our uh, event that we're doing in a couple of weeks. Uh, and you will also start to see it on uh, television. I will keep you posted on that. Uh, but uh, this guy was one of the guys that uh, we watched and, and redid a fight on. And I was amazed uh, at uh, how uh, vicious uh, he was and how entertaining uh, his fights were as well. I'm talking about a former world champion and boxing Hall of Famer, Gene Fulmer. And joining me right now to tell us all about Gene Fulmer is another Hall of Famer. Uh, oh, wait. Well, soon to be Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My main man, Alex Perpali. What's up, brother? Good morning. See, this is so interesting. I, I, I kind of enjoy the uh, audio-only version. I feel much more confident. I'm, I'm completely naked. Yeah, well, geez. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to tell us that, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's good. It's good. And, and you know, it, it gives me a little... I think I'm going to have a better time concentrating on what you say instead of trying to make out all the photos that you have behind you on your set because, you know, <laughs> yeah, generally I'm always like... have a room full of pictures. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> like, wait, now what's that a picture of? Ooh, what's that a picture of, you know? So, uh, but uh, so, anyway... It's a cave, woman, cave women and dinosaurs and King Kong. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a, it's it's a, a, a quite the collection. But, uh, and... I have to admit, I've uh, gotten to see it up close and still didn't see it all uh, uh, when I was at your place. But uh, Gene Fulmer, interesting cat, huh? Uh, yes, very interesting. And I, I really didn't know too much about him. Um, uh, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him once uh, at um, up in Canastota at the... Uh, at the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He was a frequent guest there. Um, and uh, I do have his signature on one of my 
on one of my gloves. Uh, he has a great moment in an HBO documentary about knockouts, um, because as we'll get to, he was actually uh, the victim of one of the most memorable knockouts of all time. Um, and he did. He, I remember having a, learning about him through that for the first time uh, because there was a clip of him and there's also a clip of Bo Jack, both who suffered memorable knockouts. Um, and his description of being knocked out was, uh, uh, was just very memorable. And he, um, he just was a very, uh, you know, kind and, uh, uh, a gentleman and, uh, and a Mormon, um, you know, uh, he's, uh, from Utah, uh, but Gene Fulmer, that was one of his nicknames actually, uh, you know, you, you can't help it because uh, of the double M's there. You know, uh, uh, newspaper writer types love uh, alliteration. Um, and his style, he was not te very technical uh, at all. Uh, he was uh, a, a rough-hewn type of very physical kind of guy. Uh, so he lended his, his style lended itself, of course, to the Mauler uh, moniker. And so they called him the Mormon Mauler. That was one of his nicknames. Another nickname was uh, the Cyclone. Um, but outside the ring, he was Gentleman Gene. And, uh, you know, he was very well liked. And he had the two brothers. And they uh, they basically, when, when uh, I was talking uh, to uh, Jay uh, Fulmer uh, several couple of years back, basically told me that the earnings that uh, Gene had... Uh, made in the ring. This is actually I should be talking about later in in the in this uh, segment. But the earnings he basically bought a compound, and all the Fulmers lived there, and they still do to this day. But uh, uh, he he was smart with his money. But anyway, um, you know his career is is kind of a weird one because you know how we usually look at a fighter and you look at their resume and you you follow them, or if you start following a fighter now and you you know you, by the time his career is over, the length of his career, you say, well, you know, he started off, they they you know he uh, got better and better, he fought bigger and better names, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, when you look at Gene Fulmer's uh, uh, resume, you know he started fighting tough guys pretty early on, and the names are are unbelievable. You know when you when you just go through them in no particular order, like Paul Pender, Gil Turner. Uh, Rocky uh, Castellani, Ralph Tiger Jones, Joe Maselli, uh, Basilio, Spider Webb, Gardello, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, Dick Tiger, uh, Benny Kid Perret. I mean, um, who didn't he face in his era? I mean, he's a he's a guy that you could never say, you know, you know that Gene Fulmer. You know, he's a great fighter, but it would have been nice to see him face and then plug in a name because I I, I would challenge somebody to to plug in that name. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, as as you said, uh, this guy fought everybody. Uh, absolutely true. Uh, just the basics on him: his his real name Lawrence Jean Fulmer. Uh, his mother named him Jean because she uh, was paying respects to Jean Tunney. Um, he was born July twenty first, nineteen thirty one, in West Jordan, Utah. He was five foot eight inches tall, and he fought his whole career at middleweight. Uh, like you said, he was the oldest of three brothers, um, and um, all three of them boxed professionally. Uh, he worked for it. He was a, a tough, you know, hardworking guy. And I think that's those are the it's as amazing as it is that he fought everybody. He he wasn't like a great 
fighter in terms of his style. Uh, he wasn't a huge puncher, um, but he was doggedly determined and, um, you know, a consistent puncher. And uh, he did. He fought. He fought everybody. Uh, he worked in a copper mine. Um, that was some of the hard work that he did. And even when he was, um, he was still working in the mine part time before his first fight with Sugar Ray Robinson, which came uh, in his forty-four first uh, fight. And um, his first, uh, what's it called? The uh, he was um, uh, seventeen and zero. Uh, where was it? Oh yeah, he started boxing professionally in '51, and he was 17 and 0 with 14 knockouts before taking a two-year hiatus to serve two years in the army during the Korean War. You know, that's a, you know uh, what what's amazing is his mother, uh, name and Gene, and and uh, respect to Gene Tunney. It just goes to show you, and, and I, I know I'm getting off track here a little bit, Alex, but it just goes to show you how important the sport of boxing was at one time. You know, yeah, I mean, today, even the most diehard fans, uh, I'm not so sure they would do that. You know, um, I mean, um, my my daughter named her dog after Mike Tyson. I don't know if that counts, but, uh, um, you know, I, but still, you know, this guy, uh, like I always say with these uh, – a blast fought everybody. Well, his first world title shot uh, was against uh, Sugar Ray Robinson in 1957 at middleweight. Uh, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, who uh, some of the young fans today uh, don't want to give him the title of the best ever. And, and uh, interesting fact, on May 1st in 1957, when he fought uh, Gene Fulmer, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson had a record of uh, 139 wins, five losses and two draws. Um, he would go on to fight many, many more. But uh, isn't, his, that, isn't it just ridiculous? I mean, just absorb that. I know, I know. That's why I can't. And, and then you'd get an argument. Well, he didn't really fight anybody, and he did have five losses. You know, Wait, what are you talking about? You know, 130. But uh, but in any event, this was the knockout that you were referring to that Gene Fulmer suffered because it was his first, and then the only other time he would be stopped would be his last fight. And he actually just didn't wasn't able to continue in that one. So tell us about this fight. Right. So they they, they had had their first fight was uh, January second, fifty seven, and Fulmer had won a unanimous decision. You know, he uh, Robinson was older, but he wasn't. He was still you know winning the uh, middleweight title. I mean this he had been four time middleweight champion. Uh, and uh, the um, Robins he cut Robinson in that first fight. And he put him down once in the seventh round. Uh, he had come home to a hero's welcome. 40,000 people lined the streets uh, from Salt Lake City all the way to his hometown of West Jordan, Utah, it, you know, celebrating him. However, uh, there were in this in the rematch, which came May 1st, 1957, just to, when you think about it, that's just uh, five months later, not even five full months later. Um, they... Uh, uh, Fulmer was ahead on points when he was struck with perhaps it's the most perfect left hook ever thrown, Billy C. Even Robinson himself called it the most perfect punch of my career. Uh, if you watch it, uh, the replay, it travels maybe eight inches and uh, cracks against Fulmer's jaw and uh, knocks him out at 127 around number five. Uh, the, the HBO video on knockouts, he talks about how he remembers seeing uh, 
Sugar Ray Robinson jumping up and down and thinking, boy, you know, he's awfully in good sh- in good shape to be able to be doing exercises between rounds. I remember um, that. I remember and, that. And I, remember, I remember that. that uh, I, re- I remember know, that interview. It was funny. Over, and he said to his trainer, he said, "What happened?" And he said, "Well, they counted ten, and he knew they. It must have been over him because he had no recollection of it whatsoever." Yeah, I remember that interview. It's funny when he said that when he's going. Yeah, I was wondering why he was doing uh, exercises in between rounds. You know, uh, well, you know, uh, but uh, you know the the thing uh, about. Uh, Gene Fulmer, and you know, not to discredit uh, my man Sugar Ray Robinson for that punch, but Gene Fulmer, which uh, his nickname, one of his nicknames uh, would suggest, Cyclone, is he was always coming forward, Alex, and uh, you know, uh, you know, in addition to his movement coming forward and the timing and the location and the exact, uh, uh, you know, force behind that punch. Kind of added. I mean, he, he kind of helped Sugar Ray Robinson knock him him out himself out because of the fact that he was also moving forward right into that punch at that specific time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 really just a. That's what's uh, the thing about boxing that's so beautiful. As much as it's violence, uh, there's a poetry and motion about it. Uh, it is like watching a predator uh, take out uh, a, p- a prey item, and uh, it's just absolutely amazing to see it. Uh, like, you know, to give Max Kellerman credit, that's one of the things I always like about uh, the way he describes boxing. Our, our best beats everybody's best. Our highlights are better than anybody's highlights in any other sport. You know, you talk about Sugar Ray Robinson. And Gene Fulmer really uh, fought Sugar Ray Robinson several times uh, and actually one of uh, the fights uh, uh, that uh, he and Robinson fought, uh, we did a Boxing Revisited show on, uh, which I won't really get into now because I don't want to ruin our show. Um, But the fight that we also did one on uh, that uh, we will be showing uh, at our event in a couple of weeks was the fight against Benny Kid Perret, which I feel was an instrumental and extremely important fight uh, from a historical perspective, Alex, because uh, in this fight, uh, a couple of things took place. Number one, I've always said the best three rounds of boxing that I witnessed live uh, was uh, uh, Hagler Hearns, uh, you know, and I still believe that. However, the fight between Gene Fulmer and Benny Kid Perret that took place in December of 1961 was basically that for the entire 10 rounds it lasted. Unbelievable amount of, uh, uh, of destruction uh, that both of these guys put on each other. And, you know, in hindsight, and one of the things that we discuss on this new show, Alex, is how the rules have changed. And this fight with Benny Kidd Perret in 1961, I believe, was the fight that really um, ended the life of Benny Kidd Perret. As everyone recalls, he would fight uh, several weeks later uh, against Emil Griffith, uh, and uh, Emil Griffith would would really uh, uh, beat the hell out of him, and he ultimately uh, went into a coma and died, uh, you know, uh, uh, several days later. And that really set boxing back because it was on everybody's uh, television set and in the living room up close. 
But if you watch this fight, Alice, and I'm sure you did, the damage that Benny Kid Perrette and both uh, Gene Fulmer took in this fight was unbelievable. And by today's standards and by today's rules, both of these fighters, not just Benny Kid Perrette, who ended up losing by knockout, but both of these fighters would have been put on a suspension. Specifically, Benny Kid Perrette easily would have been put on a 90-day suspension after the beating he took, and Gene Fulmer himself would have most likely been put on a 30-day suspension and not been allowed to fight uh, as quickly as they did. What was your thoughts on the fight and the fact that, you know, if this same fight took place, if the same exact fight took place, Benny Kid Perrette against Gene Fulmer today, and the same result, everything was the same, except the end, which would have been, um, you know, a uh, suspension. Maybe Benny Kid Perrette is alive today. Wow. Uh, well, I tell you, I think that that's uh, absolutely, uh, you know, a terrific uh, thesis. Um, I uh, Unfortunately, I have not watched that fight. Uh, I have read about it, but I've never watched it all the way through. I most certainly will now. Um, you're right. It did come right before that fight. And I remember uh, the two of us talking about that once before. Maybe it was in a uh, blast on Griffith, perhaps. Um, but uh, you're right. It certainly is one of those things that uh, you wonder if um, what could have been, had there been a CAT scan or what kind of medical attention was given to Perrette after the Griffith fight because the uh i mean after the um i'm sorry after the uh, former fight because uh you're right the fight with emil griffith that did could kill him came just uh three months later not even it was in he the fight with fulmer is december 9th 61 then the year turns to 62 and march 24th uh he fights emil griffith so that's you're right he, if he had a 90-day sparring ban uh, which he certainly would have if it was, you know, a brutal fight that everybody knew about. I mean, yeah, imagine that if, like, Gotti Ward fought again four months later. I mean, that would, or three months later. That would be atrocious. Um, so, yeah, you, you definitely make an excellent, uh, excellent argument there. And I will um, post that fight, actually, because I did just Google it, and it is on YouTube, it looks like, in its entirety. So um, I will post it with the little write-up of uh, Fulmer. I'm a little uh, late in doing those. I'm a little behind. But you're right. It's interesting because that certainly was, if you could say, even though, you know, maybe the 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 title winning effort might have been the highlight for Fulmer, if you asked him, you know, towards the end of his life, you know, what was the highlight of your career? Maybe a lot of fighters say probably the first title. Uh, and for him, you know, winning, uh, beating Sugar Ray Robinson was probably up there. But it was in 1961, the year that he did fight Perrette, uh, that he capped the year off with the win over Perrette, where he was called the BWAA's Fighter of the Year. He had successfully done, defended the middleweight title three times that year, including a revenge decision over Robinson, which they had had a draw, which came after their um, after he had been knocked out. And then he had two more successful defi uh, title defenses, including that uh, the brutal win over Perrette. Yeah, well, here's another thing to look at. You know, not only was that Benny Kid Perrette. You were right. I mean, he was down. Perrette was down three times in that 10th round. I know. I, I, I did a whole two-hour show on it. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing. The, the, 
the fight is a must-watch fight for anybody that's uh, uh, you know a boxing fan. You you gotta watch this fight. I mean, it's uh, you know you're on the edge of your seat. Sal and I watched it, and I had seen clips of it before. And and this whole new show that we do, we we try to to do these uh, fights and pick the fights. You know, I I have a uh, you know I have the rights to rebroadcast them, and um, we pick the fights that we. We don't. We either we haven't seen in in a long, long time, or we've never seen. So you know, when we call them, it's a shock factor. It's 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 like watching it live, and that was hundred percent the case in this fight. And I was just amazed of how brutal it was. But but here's another thing, you know, it wasn't all Gene Fulmer putting a beating on Benny Kid Perret. Benny Kid Perret was putting a beating on Gene Fulmer too. And when right. you look at this fight, Gene Fulmer was never the same fighter after this fight because right after that fight, uh, you know, he himself had to take a, wa- a, a long uh, break. If you look at his prior uh, uh, career, he was fighting pretty frequently. After the Benny Kid Perret fight, he himself didn't fight for 10 months. And his next fight, and he was still only 30 years old, his next fight was against Dick Tiger, which he lost. And when right. he fought Dick Tiger again, he had a draw. And then his last fight against Dick Tiger was uh, he he was stopped the second time in his career, which was ultimately his last fight in 1963. So that fight, you could uh, really st- not only you know statistically back it up, but when you watch it, you could say that that fight conceivably was so brutal that it ruined both careers, ending the life of of uh, Benny Kid Perret ultimately. And Gene Fulmer was never the same either, Alex. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's an excellent thesis. I think, uh, yeah, uh, I think he, after Perrette, after the win over Perrette, he never won a fight again. Uh, and then he retired. And he did. He did take. A, he took a long, uh, I mean, for that age, 10-month layoff is a long time. Uh, he didn't fight for 10 months after the Perrette fight. So, yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, we've skipped over the Basilio fights, but which those two fights were brutal fights as well. Uh, he has two wins over uh, Basilio, both stoppage victories. They were, uh, you know, rivals as well. And, and they were, it was, that was one of the really the charms of, Canastota because you saw these guys as old men joking around up there uh, in a summer barbecue type atmosphere uh, and you know uh, that was just a wonderful thing at one point they had tried to savage each other uh, and that second you know Fulmer was the naturally bigger guy uh, of the two of them and um, the first time they fought, Robinson had been stripped of the title because he was inactive. So it was for the vacant middleweight title. And that's when Fulmer, so he, he became a middleweight champion a second time with that fight. And um, in the second one, uh, Basilio had a little bit of a little Mike Tyson uh, um, incident. I mean, I think that's the thing about it is that, um, you know, this, this sport repeats. Uh, he flipped out uh, uh, at the ref. Because uh, he got so mad that the referee stopped um, stopped him, uh, and Fulmer was declared the winner in the twelfth round of their second fight. And Basilio kind of goes that with a little bit of Zab Judah moment there. He kind of goes after the referee, uh, but he doesn't actually uh, swing at him. He kind of gives him a little shove. He sort of cocks his fist back, and the cop comes in and separates him. But Basilio was mad. 
But man, was he getting beat up. And Billy C., I just watched that clip again this morning, and um, he takes a body shot. I cannot believe he does not go down. It really is amazing uh, that you're right. Uh, uh, those fights probably took a lot out of him as well. Yeah, you know, well, and the, the last Basilio fight in 1960, he only happened to have followed that with two back-to-back -back fights against Sugar Ray Robinson. I mean, <laughs> no, you, know, you know, so so anybody that wants to question uh, the quality of a guy like uh, Gene Fulmer, uh, I mean, just look at the record. It speaks for itself. But uh, how did he fare? What, what did he do uh, afterwards? I know he was involved uh, heavily with uh, youth uh, boxing in uh, in Utah. Uh, do you know of anything else? Yes, uh, they were careers I would love, and you know I love reading about them. He owned a mink farm, and he bred horses. Uh, so he was involved in uh, what they call uh, animal agriculture, if you will. And um, he, him and his brothers did run a boxing gym. Um, but, uh, oh, in the title bout game, where the hell did I put it? Uh, I had him fight Golovkin and Canelo, and uh, he did very well against the two of them. Um, the first time they fought, it's Fulmer by unanimous decision. Uh, the scores are 117-111, 117-110, and 115-112. And when you think about it, this guy who is uh, Fulmer, somebody who's fighting 15 rounders regularly, so today's 12 rounders, I, I don't know. Whenever... Whenever it is a fighter from the 15-round age, I, I don't know, I, I give a big, big advantage to them because that is so different. Anyway, uh, Fulmer was able to put Canelo down in the 7th and the 12th. When they fight 100 times, Fulmer dominates 64 victories, 28 defeats, 8 draws. He stops uh, Cinnamon 19 times. In Canelo's 28 victories, he has uh, 11 KOs. And then he, against Gennady Golovkin, the first time they fight, he stops Golovkin, uh, stops him at 157 of round number five uh, by TKO. And when they fight 100 times, uh, he beats him as well, but only slightly better. I mean, uh, actually, yeah, he only does slightly better. He had 62 victors against, victories against Golovkin, 34 defeats, four draws. And he stopped Golovkin 32 times. And in Golovkin's 34 victories, he knocked out Fulmer 18 times. Well, you know, uh, they make sense. I mean, Gene Fulmer uh, was, uh, was a great fighter. There's no question about it. And uh, I suggest if, if you have some time to go back and watch that uh, Fulmer-Perret fight. It was just Unbelievable. I'll, I'll post it today and I'll uh, tweet it and post it in the uh, Facebook group because I'm, I'm going to go watch it actually right now. Well, you know, the the, the funny thing is, is I'm going to broadcast it. We rebroadcast we, we it, you know, which is uh, that's our Boxing Revisited I'll show. Put, I'll put a link to that, too. So you have a link to that? Where is it on YouTube? No, we don't have it. It's not. It's it's going to air on uh, TV first. You know, we are going to do a sneak preview uh, uh, uh. showing of it um at our event in a couple of weeks but uh um yeah that's uh that's all new stuff that's going to be coming out but uh it's what what a uh it, it was a great fight so uh i'm sure you'll enjoy it but uh great job um on uh, gene fulmer he was uh, a world uh, middleweight champion 
Uh, he was uh, also inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1991. Uh, he passed away at 83 years old uh, a couple of years ago, uh, April 27th in 2015. He had uh, 64 total fights with a record of 55 wins, 24 coming by knockout, only six losses in which two were uh, lost by stoppage. Uh, the one that uh, Alex was talking about against Sugar Ray Robinson and, then of course, his last fight, which goes down on the record as a knockout when he couldn't continue after the seventh round. Uh, he did have uh, three draws. And ironically enough, for a guy that was nonstop and landed th thudding punches, to have uh, only a 38% knockout ratio is uh, pretty amazing. But then again, uh, just look at who he fought, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it really goes to show a difference. You know, that's why today's stats seem so skewed to me, Alex. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's definitely the sport where you do wonder uh, the, the intangibles are just very hard to fathom because the toughness, the character, and the physical requirements to do a 15-round bout to endure what those guys endured. Um, I don't know. It's hard not to think that that overcomes the natural advantages of the modern fighter, modern athlete, which are, you know, size, strength, diet, training, all those things. With boxing, it's the hardest one to really gauge because you see those uh, things like grit and durability and these miraculous uh, uh, forms of endurance in these uh, old timers and you wonder, couldn't that beat the science of the modern age? And I don't know, it's, it's something you could really come to blows with in a bar, uh, you know, arguing one side or the other on the same night. Right, no, I, I know, I know. And wait till you watch his fight, I mean, uh... It's, I mean, because uh, it makes me sick to think. I mean, could, could you think about it? Imagine, uh, a, like, the welterweight Victor Ortiz that beat Andre Berto. How do you think he would do against a prime Carmen Basilio? <laughs> Science says he would do very, very well. Yeah. And that's hard to swallow. That gets stuck in my throat well, to you can, say it. Science, <laughs> you can't always believe science, apparently, you know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Alex. Well, that's, that's the modern athlete, you know. Yeah. Modern athlete. I, I think it, it happens in every sport. I know. So, I, I know. It, We're bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, we, there's, we, something, there's something mystical about getting punched in the face. And well, you never know how somebody's going to react yeah, to that. Yeah, but the difference, the difference today is simple. Yes. As uh, you know, as humans, we're bigger, faster, stronger. We eat better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All those things that you say, right? We even know how to work uh, different muscle better, and and you know, from a scientific point. But the one thing uh, that's very clear to me, and 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 it's becoming clearer and clearer each day, is that we've become, although we're bigger, stronger, we're weaker mentally. And you know, I, you know, we we all look at uh, things like cell phones and technology as 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 helping us, but it's really weakening us. And and a simple thing is, you know, and we joke about it, but it's true. You know, the participation trophy. You know, every kid gets a part. So so now that kid that that you know grew up no one being allowed to say you won or lost. Now that person's in a job. He's in his mid twenties or she's in her mid twenties, and she can't understand. You know, it's almost not fair to these younger uh, people 
to turn them loose in society when they've been coddled. And there's no difference when you look at the same things we complain about in boxing. Oh, he's been coddled. Oh, he's a champion. He hasn't fought anybody. Oh, this and that. And then all of a sudden we expect him to take a real fight and, and put on a performance like he has been. And then you, you end up with guys, you mentioned Victor Ortiz. There's a great example. You know, he's in the ring behind a mic saying, after getting beat up by Maidana, he's, oh, well, nobody should take a beating like this. What What do you mean? Nobody should take a beating like this if you're a carpenter or a plumber or a lawyer. But if you're a fighter, you should expect that that comes with the job description. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, it's. I, I think that's the, the biggest equalizer when you look at these different eras i think from a humanity standpoint we were a lot tougher back when life was tougher and uh i think it it, it would uh definitely be true if somebody invented a time machine and you took a guy uh from today and brought him back to a, a fighter of yesteryear and maybe today's skill set might be better but the toughness factor would 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 win i think yeah oh i would much rather i would much rather see that matchup than um, a boxing versus MMA. Uh, give me that um, the 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 that the idea a fantasy matchup of yesteryear versus today. I would love to see how. The, but you're right. It's um, it's uh, it's just something we'd have to just dream about and argue about. This is true, and this was <laughs> this what makes the show go. So, uh, Alex, great job as usual. I hope you can come on later in the week. Uh, and uh, give you some thoughts. Uh, give you give us your thoughts on some of the uh, fights and issues that we've been discussing this week. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe uh, Friday morning would be great. Sounds good, brother. All right, brother Billy C. Take care. All right, that's Alex Papali giving uh, a fine uh, uh, showing once again with our uh, blast from the past. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break, and uh, when I come back, we're going to have Sal Rocky Senecola. And, and if you've joined us, if you've been with us all week. Sal has been uh, trying to uh, uh, ask a question and tell a story, and uh, he hasn't had the chance. But guess what? As soon as we're done with this break, he gonna get the chance. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans! Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. Broadcasting in all corners of the globe on the web and radio. He would scoff at a stretch of that man, I would think. You're listening to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. From upstate New York in the good old U.S. of A. Boxing is here to stay because we are here to stay. The best two hours of boxing talk on the airwaves. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? 
That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And they're back. You are listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, uh, joining me again uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, although you can't see him, we can certainly hear him. Uh, can't and, see me. No. And Sal, you know, I, I, I don't know if you were listening, but I, I, you know, I, ha- I had to give up some of our uh, uh, info about the new series we're doing. And uh, I couldn't help it. We're talking about Gene Fulmer. And uh, the fight against uh, Benny Kid Perrette, which you and I did uh, on a Billy C. Boxing Revisited episode. And uh, what a fight that was, wasn't it? Billy, I'll tell you what. That fight was incredible. And we were like kids in a candy store. It was just like, wow, that's what boxing was all about back then. It was just each fighter with their passion, their heart, their, their, their whole makeup were in there to win. And uh, no excuses, nothing barred. They fought with every essence of their body, mind, heart, and soul. And uh, that was the passion. That was the heart. That was the best. Hey, I'm going to beat you. I'm the better fighter. And they had that, and they went all the way to the end, you know, that fight. And, you know, I often say, you know, there's a certain fight that is more memorable than others that might be one of the fights that that you'll see the after effects in a turning point of one's career. And, uh, you know, that was definitely for both of those combatants, uh, probably a, a significant fight that established that turning point to to, uh, to the to the later days of their life or career. Well, as we talked about, uh, well, Benny Kid Perrette, obviously, in my opinion and yours, especially after we watched that fight, uh, cost his fight with Gene Fulmer ultimately cost him his life because uh, although he did just, uh, take a severe beating from Emil Griffith, I think the damage uh, was already, the seed was planted. And then Gene Fulmer, as we kind of pointed out today, he too, his own career, uh, wasn't the same after that fight. So uh, anyway, I just want to tell everybody that uh, uh, we have a bunch of emails, and I apologize for letting them back up, but I'll give you a heads up. I mean, uh, my man Joel has got one in here, Raheem, uh, Jesse, uh, my man Jeff uh, from uh, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, to name a few, I, we, we, we have these emails all set. I promise you we will get to them tomorrow. Uh, you know the old rule that we have. If you take the time to, to write us an email, uh, we will uh, take the time to read it on air. Uh, we've had some technical glitches this week, and uh, we're actually experiencing one right now. All of our uh, viewers on uh, YouTube uh, are only seeing the one camera feed, uh, but uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. And uh, we apologize for any uh, inconvenience for you. But uh, right now, uh, as we wrap up the show, Sal has been dying to tell us a story. And, um, you know, he was waving his hand at me on Monday. He called me Monday night. He called me. I was like, Horshack. He's like, don't forget. uh, You know, I got a thing I want to tell you. So here you go, Sal. It's an open platform. Please, Sal, tell me and all the viewers and the listeners the story that you wanted to tell us. 
I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I, that wouldn't surprise me. Jeff, Jeff. Uh, yeah, what? ding, oh, ding, what? 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 But I know that wouldn't surprise me, man. But go ahead. Tell me. Flip Mahoney at your best. Whoa. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've been wanting to tell you this story. I almost called you Sunday night, but it was very late. And because uh, this event happened uh, at my restaurant Sunday evening. And. Man, I'll tell you, what a what a turnaround. And wait till you see what I'm going to do about this. And you're going to like all this, I believe. You know, so this family, this, this very attractive, very wonderful family. They come in, and uh, it's towards the end of the night. And they're sitting right at a table we put together in the middle of the restaurant. There's about five of them or so. And uh, you can see the father and the husband, the leader of the family. He's sitting at the end of the table. Um and uh, so I, I go around to all the tables like I always do, making sure everybody's happy, everything's good. And uh, and uh, this table, I, I believe the, the wife, she, she calls me over, waves me over, says, Sal, come over. And, and I went over, and I never really spoke to them one-on-one, -on -one, but, you know, they were talking to me, and I was talking with them. And uh, really, just a great, great family, and I could see that they were enjoying their food, and they said, Sal, this is our favorite place. We stop here uh, once a year, and uh, we stay at Sea Island. And, uh, you know, we started talking more and more, and the, the guy at the end of the table, he says, hey, Sal, where are you from? I said, well, New York, New Jersey. And uh, he goes, uh, and then the, the wife said, okay, we got to ask you this question, because we know, you know how New York and New Jersey is all, all, you know, with their fans and choices. And uh, so she's poised. She posed a question to me. She said, "Well, are you uh, a Giants fan or a Jet fan?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, that's the that's the question. Uh, you know which way I'm going to go once I tell you I'm a New York Yankees fan." And uh, of course, he said, "Oh, so you're a Giant fan?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a big Giant fan. Yeah, yeah." And uh, well, we're Jet fans here. I said, "Oh, well, I, I, you know, Jets and Jets, and uh, I just, you know, they were great, and uh, yeah, I, I did go to a few Jet games." And uh, then a the woman said, and as a matter of fact, this is a jet right here. I said, really? And I, I said, you are? And, and, and uh, I said, yes. And uh, I said, sir, excuse me, but may I ask who your, your name is? I said, yes, I'm Pat Ryan. Pat said, Ryan. Pat Ryan? Pat Ryan, a quarterback. Pat Ryan? I, I, yeah, Pat Ryan, a quarterback uh, from the Jets in the 80s. I, I, I loved Pat Ryan. He was. Oh, uh, love, well, immediately. Immediately said, "Oh, Pat, I'm a Jet fan." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I I used to love you watching you, and you were a fantastic quarterback. You're a legend." He said, "Well, I don't know about a legend." I said, "Well, I think I'm a legend too." So, <laughs> no, but I said, "I can't believe this is the Pat Ryan with his lovely family at my restaurant." He says, "Sal, we come here every year, and uh, but I want to introduce myself." And I said, "Pat, I'm so glad." And uh, the, the guy is a gem. I mean, we were talking sports. We were talking life. We were talking the old days, the good days. I told him about my fight in Memphis, Tennessee. They're all from Tennessee. Um, and, and, you know, I saw Pat Ryan. And, man, he was a great quarterback for the New York Jets. And, man, I, I, I put my shoe in my mouth that time. And I eat through a pair of shoes every day in my restaurant. But I you always call in the Yankee factor. And that, you know, gets me off the hook. But, well, um but man, what a beautiful uh, memory I have there, talking with Pat Ryan and his lovely family, and what a class act, class act, and I'll look forward to serving them again and again, and you know what I'm going to do, Bill? 
because I always have hanging in my – because we get built ourselves in a restaurant. I told them that because I have a Giants football helmet, official helmet, hanging up in my restaurant. And I also usually have Phil Simms' jersey hanging up because I I knew Phil Simms very well. And uh, we used to work out the Westwood Nautilus together. And I knew a lot of the Giants back then. I used to cut Bart Oates' hair. And uh, we knew Jim Burt. We knew uh, uh, all these guys from the 80s. It was a great, great time. And LT used to come to my fights. And uh, so so I knew all these guys. And uh, so, of course, I gravitated to Giants on a lot of levels. But I'll never forget when I saw Pat Ryan play football for the Giants. I mean, for the Jets. What a great player. And you know what I'm going to do for Pat? I am going to get his picture. And I'm going to post it on my wall of fame next to all my celebrities. And I'm also going to order on eBay or uh, wherever I can a Pat Ryan jersey. And I'm going to hang it and fly it high with Phil Simms' jersey. And uh, so next time Pat Ryan comes in with his family, maybe if I can, I'll try and find an official New York Jet helmet. I could put it right next door to the uh, to the official New York Giants helmet I have. But I'm going to do that for Pat Ryan because, man, I'll tell you what. Like I said, class act 100% all the way. And he reignited my passion and my, my interest for the New York Jets. Well, you know me. I'm a diehard Jets fan. I got plenty of stuff on uh, Pat Ryan. I can get you. Uh, and if you can't find a Pat Ryan jersey, just get his number because I'm sure you know what that was, right? Absolutely. Yeah, what? What was it, Sal? I'll give you a hint. It's between, I hate you. It, it's, it's, it's between. I'll give you a hint, all right? His number that he wore with the New York Jets is between... Nine and eleven. Go ahead. I'll give you one shot. Jack Dempsey. <laughs> yeah, it's of Jack course Dempsey. he wore number ten. Exactly. I yeah, I knew. I knew you knew that one, Sal. I knew you knew that one. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody. We apologize for some of the technical glitches uh, that we've uh, had, but uh, uh, I don't want to make excuses. But it wasn't my fault. It wasn't Sal's fault. It was. It was everybody else's fault. Trust me, because we don't like to make excuses. But ah, you know. But anyway. Listen, uh, make sure that you guys uh, tune in tomorrow because we're going to have uh, another busy show. And I promise everybody that sent us an email, we will get to it. I promise. Tomorrow. And then Friday, we'll have uh, Alex come back on and Dax is going to come back on and uh, we'll do all that stuff. All right. So listen, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.